the truth and the ways and the life, O oh God. And there is none besides you, Lord. You are indeed the glory and the lift of our heads this morning. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. It's good to see everybody. It's good to have John and Diane Noonan with us this morning. God bless you. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Raining outside. Ain't it great? Amen. God is good. Amen. So we want to get right into our Sunday school lesson this morning. Not Sunday school, but discipleship lesson. Amen. So I want to pray for our Sunday school offering. And then Brother Miller is going to come and finish and teach us about Christian discipleship. Amen. Father, I ask you, Lord, to bless our Sunday school offering this morning. Lord, bless this lesson that comes to us, O oh God. I pray from Brother Miller's lips this morning. God, give him wisdom, give him knowledge and understanding, O oh God, and give us ears to hear and a word to receive your word, O oh God, in our hearts. We give praise and thanks in Jesus' name. God bless Brother Miller. Praise the Lord, everyone. Always good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about what God is doing. The rain that we get this morning, there's a purpose behind that rain, is to help things grow and develop. So thank God for the rain, amen? Without that rain, we would not have the vegetation, we would not have the nourishment that we have available today so thank god for everything that he's doing thank god for you i want to say thank you very much for all the people of god that have been praying for us for me i appreciate your prayers because i know it's not my prayers alone and it's not me doing it by myself but I thank God for having some folks that know how to pray and intercede and and talk to God on my behalf as well. And I thank God for giving me a mind to continue to pray. You know, it's important to pray for one another. Amen. You may not be able to do a lot, you know, but prayer can go a long way. So I thank you for your prayers. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. As always, I say I'm excited about learning the things of God. I love truth because it changes people. You know, truth is one of those things that's consistent regardless of every everything else that changes from time to time. Truth is consistent. It remains to be True. No matter what you think of it, truth is always truth. And I'm so glad for it. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So we're continuing chapter 2, titled Understanding the Plan in this whole series of putting life back into perspective. Chapter 2, Understanding the Plan. And we've gone through the previous lessons, and so we will continue today today's lesson in understanding the plan, talking about ministry. So we're going to talk today a little bit about it, and then we'll continue on next week talking a little bit more about ministry. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, this is Paul, 
by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a dead sacrifice. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, right? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Y'all see that? The Amplified version for that portion of that scripture says it's your rational service. You should already know this is what God expects. It's what makes sense. Spiritually, present yourself, right? Present your bodies. That is your whole being. A living sacrifice. Then it goes on. Holy. Simplest definition of holy is to be separated from sin unto God. Holy, acceptable, not to man. Your aim and your goal is not to please man. At the end of the day, you're not going to be standing before man, and they're not going to determine whether or not you get in or not. It's going to be God who's going to determine whether or not you may get in or not. So then our goal is to be acceptable unto it doesn't matter if you don't like me. It doesn't matter if our personalities are the same or not. What matters is if I am acceptable unto who? Now if I'm acceptable unto God, then that means that everything else in my life should be in order. It starts with him. It's not a canceling out. See, if we put things back in perspective, maybe some of these other things in our lives will be back where it's supposed to be. We won't have so much confusion in our world today. Can I go a step further? We won't have so much confusion in the church body today if we put things back in perspective if I aim to please God, then everything that God has provided for me, I'm go- it's going to automatically flow together. Amen? You can't please God and then be in confusion at the same time. Scripture tells us God is not the author of confusion. Everything with God makes perfect sense. You don't need a backup plan with God. You're doing it God's way. That's the best way you can do it. You ever hear somebody make the comments and say, well, you know, I know God can do it, but just in case, that, that's where you went wrong. Because what you just said was, I still have doubts about God's ability To do what I'm asking him to do. So your last statement just stated where your heart really lies. Isn't that something? 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. I will read verse 2 because it's just, it, to me, it's just fitting. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? So that you can prove what is that good. Now, see, the first verse says, holy, acceptable unto God. Well, if you're going to do that, he says you've got to be, con- be not conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your thinking has to be changed. Things have to be put back into focus, back into perspective, so that you can effectively prove what is the good and acceptable, and look at this, perfect will of God. So again, you need no secondary measure or secondary plan to God's divine, perfect plan. God doesn't fail. God's way is the best way. Amen? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions just to ponder on. What good would a restaurant be without a cook? What good would a car shop be without a mechanic? What good is a hospital without a doctor? The truth is these establishments cannot function successfully without the proper people in place to perform the necessary functions. Each establishment requires certified people who are trained and have experience in the specified job fields. Furthermore, Your cooks, your mechanics, your doctors all require the assistance of other professionals, which includes your waiters, your waitresses, cashiers, nurses, administrative clerks, so on and so forth. So they can't just do it by themselves. I'm a doctor. I'm I'm not, but would be nice. But if I'm a doctor, I can't do every part of the job by myself. However many surgeries I have to to go through surgery, surgical procedures I have to perform, I I probably won't have time to do the administrative stuff. You know, when you go in to have surgery, there's some administrative paperwork that has to be filled out, right, and processed. Things have to be filed. Got to make sure that the insurance companies are covering, you know. So you can't do everything by yourself, even though you may have a knowledge of how to do it. Your primary responsibility as a doctor is to perform the surgery. The nurse can't perform that surgery. They can assist, but they can't perform the surgery. Your administrative clerk, you don't need to pick up any of those tools. Pick up a pen and a clipboard. Okay? And so all of these areas 
You got to have somebody filling those areas to make whatever it is that you're doing effective and successful. The same concept can be applied to the church. The Christian church is comprised of a group or body of certified believers. I'm using that word certified because I think it applies. But this is how I define certified believers. Those who accept, embrace, and experience the salvation of God. That's my definition of certified believers. You can't stop with acceptance. I can acknowledge you all day long. It doesn't mean that I embrace you. But to accept and then to embrace, to bring in close, right? And then to experience. It's not just a one-time thing, but this has become a part of me. Okay, so those three things, experience to accept, embrace, and experience the salvation of God. Certified believers, that's the Christian church. The Christian church is not the building, the facility itself. Brick upon brick, wood, whatever material you use to build a facility, that's great. But that's not the essence of the church. Simply put, the church is you and I. We are the church. Amen? Good. I'm glad that you believe that. We're going to go on further. Similar to the physical body, every member of the church body works. Everybody say work. Because that seems to be fading away from our society today. Not many people want to work for anything anymore. Uh, find a quick, easy way. People trying to dream themselves rich. Y'all remember that <laughs> that little clause? All you need is a dollar and a dream. I had lots of dreams, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I still ain't got what I dreamed about. And I had a dollar too. It's a body that works together. Every member of the church body works together to fulfill the will and plan of God. I'm taking my time intentionally. Jesus Christ, because I think this is really important. You know, we, we, we shout about, you know, being baptized in Jesus' name, receiving the Holy Ghost, and that's not, not diminishing any of those things because those are thing, things that are vitally important. But once you get into the church, once you become a part of the body of Christ, it doesn't just end there. That's the beginning. But there's a work, everybody say work. That needs to be done. And so we work together to fulfill the will and plan of God. Jesus Christ is the head of the body. Jesus. 
Not Brother Miller. Not all of the other icons that we have out there, famous preachers, and some of them are anointed, some of them are not. But Jesus Christ is the head. He is the divine authority of the church body. So guess what? It doesn't matter what your role or your function is in the body of Christ. No one else is the head other than. So let me ask you something. If Jesus Christ represents the head of the church, we understand by virtue of our physical bodies are designed that the head is the hub of the rest of our bodily functions. Signals are sent from the brain to whatever member of the body to perform whatever function that you need to function. Right? So we know that this is important, right? Without this, there's no organization. Really? The body don't know when to do what, how to do it. Body just going all over the place. Just you know, you ever seen a ch- <laughs> you ever seen a chicken? I'm not comparing people to chicken, but I just. <laughs> but you ever seen a chicken that you chop the head off or you? I know it's gross, but you ever seen that chicken just start taking off and just running? Don't know where they're going. Just running. Can't see. That term, running like a chicken with a head cut off, that's, you know. The first time I seen that, I was like, man. So the head is very important. This is where a lot of the processes take place. You know, we talked a little bit about that, how you receive information, you know, what's delivered, you know, how it impacts your feelings, so on and so forth, what you value in life. It all starts up here. So Jesus Christ is the head, which means that every command and signal that we receive as a member of the body of Christ should come ultimately from who? Because in essence, we are all somehow connected to. Isn't that cool? Jesus Christ is the head of. The body. We serve Jesus Christ as members of the body of Christ, and He empowers us to provide service to those in need. The idea, the concepts, everything that needs to be done, it starts up here. But guess what? Just like I'm standing here before you now and you see my hands moving and you see the expressions. It's because my brain is sending signals. Why? Because I'm emphatic about 
what I'm doing. And so you see the expression of what I'm saying. Jesus Christ wants to express himself through the members of the body of Christ. Everything that he says, everything that he desires, he's looking to express that through the body of Christ. He empowers us to perform the things that we need to perform. So regardless of what member of the body you are, your fingernails are important too. You can use fingernails for a lot. I know they tell you don't use them for certain things. But if I want to open up a can of soda with my fingernails, you know, it's good to have a Anybody ever try to pick up a coin from off the the ground without fingernails? (laughs) It's a little bit challenging, right? Back in the day when I used to bite my nails, I sat there and felt, felt so retarded. Can't even pick up a penny off the floor. That's sad. I need that penny. But every member of the body is important. You know, eyelash is important. You know, eyelashes help protect stuff from getting into your eyes. Little intricacies that can make a big difference. Okay? So every member of the body is important. And Jesus Christ thinks so. That's why you're a part of it. We all get selected. We're chosen by God to be a part of. Now, many are called, but few are chosen. Part of being chosen is you responding. So we serve Jesus Christ. He empowers us to provide service to those in need. This is also known as ministry. Merriam-Webster defines the word ministry. One of the definitions that he offers is as the office, duties, or functions of a minister. Office, duties, or functions of a minister. Now for the church, the ministry is much more than a position, a title, a program, or an organization. The ministry of the church is the entire work of God. Everybody hear that? I'm, I'm really, because this is something that has been burning on my heart. And I believe the people of God need to know. This is, you know, when you hear the preaching and you hear the word of God coming forth, it's God trying to get your attention. He called you out of the world and into something greater for a reason. It wasn't just for you to just take up space on a pew. No, he has a work for you to do. And the ministry of the church is the entire work of God. We have to understand that. Ultimately, there is only one ministry. Listen to this. One ministry, salvation of souls. Look at every aspect of the church and what we do. It is ultimately for the salvation of our souls. What did Jesus say he came to do? Save that which was 
lost. Listen, the reason why we got lost is because we lost our way, we lost our direction from the very beginning, and it's been that from, from day one, and so God had a plan, He implemented a plan, He executed a plan, and now the plan is still in operation to do the same thing He wanted to do from day one, which was to save souls. All the stories of deliverance for his people in the Old Testament is still tying into the same thing. The same work of the ministry, which is to save souls. You know, it's amazing look in the Old Testament. It wasn't, now the Jews were the promised children, but they weren't the only ones that benefited from the salvation. There were folks that left from Egypt. Who joined with the Israelites. And along the way there were people who continued to join. Y'all remember the story of Ruth? She was a Moabite. But she got integrated, integrated, didn't she? Did she not? So God's plan was never, you know, he, he never, he's been the same yesterday, today, forevermore. He's no respecter of persons. He put the principle out there, and for those who chose to abide by it, they were joined together. No, they did not come from the direct or the genuine seed of Abraham, but they were still integrated into the body. So, salvation of souls is really the ministry. That's what God is trying to do. That's what he desires to do. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why? So that we can enjoy the benefit of eternal life. God has chosen us to accomplish the ministry, or he's chosen to accomplish the ministry through his ministers, which represents every member of the body of Jesus Christ. That's how he chooses to operate. This is Almighty God. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to operate through us. And I think that's powerful. I think that says a lot about the Almighty God that we serve. That the one that has the power to do anything that he wants to do and make any outcome come about, whatever way he chooses to, but he chooses to use us. So he takes us from the flawed place that we are in our lives, wherever we are. He redeems us, restores us, and empowers us to do his work. Anybody else think that's awesome? What a privilege to be employed by God. Y'all been to job interviews before, right? You stand there and you, you know, they giving you all kinds of questions. One of the first questions is, tell me about yourself. I don't even know where to start telling you. I don't know if you want to know everything about me. You want to be more specific? When you go before God, God already knows everything about you. He's not choosing you because you are perfect. He's choosing you because of the potential of what he's going to make you. When he created you, he already knew 
I know the potential that they have. You may not see it now. You may not understand it now. But I've got something greater for you. And that's the hope. That's the hope that we have. Knowing that God knows more than what we know and he has greater things in store for us. There's a hope in that. So, every member of the body of Christ is a minister. Everybody hear that? By virtue of what we just talked about, every member of the body of Christ is a minister. Now, I know some of y'all got some things formulating in your brain because you're like, man, we done been indoctrinated. We got all this teaching and all this. Listen, just stay with me. I like to take my time. Don't rush me. In other words, again, every member of the body of Christ is a what? While we may, or you know, all perform the same ministry in different capacities, again, every effort works toward the same goal, the saving of souls. That's why we have to have faith, because faith is based upon what you can't see. You can't see a soul. You go to try to win folks based upon what you see, There's a lot of people that ain't going to make it, including us. We limit God based upon what we view with our carnal eyes, our carnal understanding. God is in the business of saving what we can't see, and that is our souls. Amen? That's what the ministry, every aspect, every facet of the ministry is working towards. Saving of souls. This is God's intent. Amen? Now, there is purpose in ministry. The purpose of the ministry is defined by who? Some of y'all don't believe it. But the purpose of the ministry is defined by God. He is the only authority that can give the definition of the purpose of the ministry. It's determined by God. Now, purpose has Two things, amongst others, ultimately purpose has two things. It has the intent or the motive, which motivates us, and then it has the result, the outcome. What we do between that is what bridges the two. The motive is the salvation of souls. The motive, church body, is the salvation of souls. Think about your soul where you were before God got a hold of your life. And God came because his motive was to save your soul. And God used somebody to tell you the truth. To express his love, they were motivated by God's intent. The outcome is still the saving of souls. That's what God desires. The content in between becomes you. So what are you doing? To help save souls. Are you engaged 
in the purpose. It's okay. Everybody want to claim the title of being a Christian, being a part of the church. I go to church. I, you know, I'm a part of this church. My Debo and, you know, Methodist, Episcopal and everything, Lutheran and whatever you want to call it. But what are you doing? Remember, the only one that can define the purpose is who? So ministry has purpose. Remember what I said earlier, ministry is far greater than a position or a title or a program or an organization. Let me talk about programs real quick. I'm going to get on this. Y'all can be with me. You can be against me. It's okay. But let me talk about this. The mistake is commonly made where the program becomes the focus of ministry. I expect it's going to be quiet, but I'm going to continue to explain. Every program is designed to enhance the ministry. But it should never become the focal point of ministry. Now, we do what we do in the program to make sure that it's all driven to accomplish the goal, the purpose, which is what? The salvation of souls. If I make or design a program, ladies and gentlemen, we are in the church body. The last thing we should be worried about is competing for numbers. That's part of what's killing the body. Did we not read the scripture where he says God gives the increase? Some of what is happening is we've become too focused on doing God's job instead of doing what God employed us to do. So, if we develop programs to gain people, numbers, my question to you is, is that in line with the purpose of the ministry? I expect it's going to be quiet and that's okay. This is what God gave me, so I'm going to speak it. A ministry, now hear me, I'm going to elaborate on this. Ministry should never be birthed solely based upon an idea. I'm glad y'all listening. I have a great idea. Listen to this. Corporately, in the corporate realm, there are lots of ideas that are pitched, but not every idea is manifested. Why? I'll tell you why. Because in the corporate realm, they understand that if we are going to be successful, we are going to manifest something or act upon something because there is a need for something. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. When you have your supermarkets, there's a need for shopping, food, right? 
So they have supermarkets where you can go. Before it used to be vendors, you know, you go find somebody, go to a farm, whatever, however you buy your fruits and vegetables and everything else. Now they made it so easy, they get all shipped to one place and you go to a supermarket and you see all the display of most of what you need. You hope sometimes everything is there, but, you know, it's hit and miss. But the supermarket was developed, why? Because there was a need. I ask you this question. Do you think that there would be a need for a gas station if nobody had vehicles? So why would you develop a gas station then? Now you put all this money into making and building this gas station, but nobody has a vehicle. Now you might make a little change, you know, because people got lawnmowers or whatever, you know, but ultimately you're really not going to make much. Right? See, y'all looking at me like I'm crazy, but you already know. Now, this is from a corporate standpoint. So my question to you is, does the ministry perceive the need or do we make ministries or build ministries because there is a need? Programs. I don't want to use the word ministry because to me it's taken out of context. But programs designed to enhance the ministry. So if it's designed to enhance the ministry, that means there is a need for it, right? What good does it do to develop a Chinese ministry when we ain't got no Chinese people in the city? Watch this. So I, de- I develop, I'll use that same example. I develop a Chinese ministry and guess what? I get frustrated because I have nobody coming to the Chinese ministry. I'm pouring into it, but there's nothing coming out of it. There was no need. It's a great idea, but there was no need. Listen, this is how we keep things in perspective. Since y'all looking at me like he done lost his mind. Here's how we keep things in perspective. Instead of doing things based upon solely an idea, an idea comes into place. After we get the motive, listen, God is the one that should orchestrate whether or not we start building programs. Whatever happened to, you know, what I used to tell folks when they come, well, you know, I feel like I want to be used. Okay, that's great. But if you're coming to me and you're saying you want to be used, then you should be praying about what it is that you're going to be used in. Y'all with me? Yeah, we're going to have to continue this next week. It does no good for me to put you in a place, or anybody in that matter, to put you in a place where you're not called. You know how many people that are musicians that really, you know, they don't feel like God has called them there. They're just doing it just to, you know. What is God calling you to do? 
you know, before we start a, a singles ministry, ask yourself a question. How many singles do we have? Oh, everybody married? Well, praise God. Guess we don't have a need for a singles ministry. Now, the idea is there, and that's great. Prayerfully considering what it is that we should be doing, because a lot of times what happens is the frustration builds in the body of Christ because we're doing a whole lot of things that maybe we shouldn't be doing. And it's not that they're not good ideas, but what is God calling us to do? Can I tell you something? You don't have to like it. But the pastor's primary responsibility is to serve the body of Christ. I knew y'all wasn't going to like it. His primary responsibility is to continue to seek the face of God so he has direction to lead the body of Christ. Now, he may win a soul or two here and there, but that's not his primary responsibility. Oh, see, you don't have to agree with it, but that's the reality. That's why we got, look at, look at this. This is why we got so many issues in our society today. Think about the schools, right? What's the teacher's responsibility? Primary responsibility is to educate from an academic standpoint, not to teach morals and values. But now we have a lot of teachers and the board of education, excuse me, the school system is stressed out because they're trying to fulfill things that they are not really employed to do. Remember back in the day? Teachers would communicate with the parents. Why? Because there was an expectation that the parents were going to reinforce moral... Teachers did their job giving the academic standpoint, educating. Two plus two is four. You got that, Johnny? Oh, you don't want to behave? Not a problem. We're going to send you to the office. Why we send you to the office? Because the principal, whoever the staff is, they're going to call your parents. Why we calling your parents? Because we're going to let them do the disciplinary work. Now we got counselors. Put them in a special classroom. So we can talk you through it, Johnny. So we can cater to you, Johnny. We don't want to disturb the parents. Why? Because the parents are too busy out there trying to make money. So everybody working, ain't nobody home taking care of kids. Oh, I'm sorry. Woo! Well, Jesus, listen, I'm not trying to be rude. I'm really not. I hope y'all understand. Because this is something really important. When we talk about this, I mean, I really, I wish I could tell you, you know, ex- express to you a lot of times when I'm up here and I'm expressing things to y'all, I mean, it's like God is just pouring stuff into me. And I know it's for me first. And I'm trying to contain myself, but there's just a lot that I believe God is trying to get his people to understand. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. If you just open your eyes and see what I'm trying to show you, you could be a whole lot more effective in the work that I'm trying to use you to do.
That's what he wants all of us to know. We develop programs because there's a need. Not because we're trying to get more people. It's God's job to add to the church. Look in the book of Acts and you see what happened. Immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost initially on the day of Pentecost, we find that not too long after that, 3,000 souls were added, not because they developed a whole bunch of programs to go reach people, but they were just doing what the Spirit led them to do. And as a result, it impacted 3,000 other souls who were added to the church. Y'all all right with this? There's a need. Listen to this. Jesus Christ came down. He was manifested. He taught. And he gave his life. Why? Because there was a need. He executed what he executed because there was a need. We can eliminate a whole lot of frustration in the body of Christ. If we start focusing on the need instead of our wants. The church two cities over might have a thousand folks, regular attendants, committed folks, and that's great. But their thousand and our fifty should be really, there's no difference. If I have 50 folks here who are committed and they've got a thousand, there's no difference in the effectiveness of ministry. Because souls are still being impacted. When has it become about the numbers? It should always be about the souls. Why am I saying this? Let me tell you why I'm saying this in a discipleship class. Because some folks have chosen not to engage and embed themselves in the ministry and the work of God because they've gotten wrapped up about numbers. Well, I guess there's no hope because we only got, you know, we only got ten. When my Bible tells me where. Two or three. If I can impact one soul at my job without saying a word, just being who God called me to be. Let me just share this with you. I know I'm over my time. I really do apologize. Let me just share this with you. There are times, and I don't, you know, I don't broadcast stuff because this, this is God's work. It's not about me. But there are times where folks will come to my desk. Somebody asked it about last week, I think it was, says, man, why every time somebody, you know, irritated or frustrated, they come to your desk? And I never thought about it. I never took the time to think about it. But I recognize what's happening. It's a good question, and they wonder. Folks that, you know, and they, they outrank me, obviously, but they come to my desk. I've had... Officers and enlisted come to my desk and they just want to sit down and talk. 
Now we got a chaplain. No, and I'm not, no, I'm not knocking. You got some good chaplains out there. But for whatever reason, I know the reason. Thank God for it. But they feel the need. They feel compelled to come. That's powerful. I told y'all before, some folks may never step foot in the building. I'm not concerned about filling the building as much as I am filling souls. Look, if I can pour into somebody at my job, then that's what I'm concerned about. Because eventually, there's something that's going to change in them. They'll get there if I keep doing what God has called me to do. I got to continue this next week. I really apologize. Listen, God bless you. We got a dynamic service getting ready to happen. Let's take a break and let's go on in Jesus' name.